What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Florida did what they were supposed to do score-wise against a lower-tier team in the SEC and a team whose overall statistical numbers have just been awful all year as they shut out the Vanderbilt Commodores here 42 to nothing, but the game was not perfect by any means. And we'll get into that all that here soon. But first, Spivey, what a week of college football, man. I, it seems like each week never upsets, does it? No, I mean, you know, it was last week was built up as kind of like the the games, uh, you know, kind of the week of the year almost with Ole Miss, Bama, Arkansas, um, Georgia, and Florida, Kentucky. And um, there was another one, wasn't it? Wasn't there another big top 25 matchup? It was Iowa, Penn State. Um, no, last week. But last anyway, week. so, yeah, you know, they built that up as kind of like the the week of the year. And, you know, it turned into be a bunch of absolute blowouts in the game. And then you had this this week it turned out to be a little bit better week. And yeah. um, you had A&M upset Bama at it seemed like 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, whoever decided to put that game late in the night, well, whatever. Uh, then you had um, Iowa beat Penn State. Uh, let's see, what else did you have? Georgia-Auburn, which that really wasn't a close game. It was a little closer than I think the score says. Uh, you had LSU-Kentucky. That was a good ball game. You had you had a couple good ball games overall. Oklahoma-Texas, that game going to a last-minute score there. Uh, I've watched that game through. You had Ole Miss and Arkansas, which is a barn burner game, a 51-52 to 52 yeah. game. Man, I mean, that to... just does not make sense to me for a Sam Pittman-Arkansas team. Yeah, you know, to to give up that many points in that game um, was was crazy. Um, I don't know what what to take of that game. Honestly, is you know, is you look at that game and you, and you look at Ole Miss, and I mean, they played completely different than against Bama. You know, is Bama's defense and Georgia's defense, you know, just that much more superior than anyone that? You know, they were Georgia was to shut Arkansas down, and then Alabama was just able to absolutely shut down Ole Miss. Or did both teams just play really bad in the game? Uh, you know, there's a lot of questions to be asked uh, around the country. Uh, you know, Kentucky blows out LSU, uh, Orgeron's hot seat gets hot, hot, hot. Um, and and now we get to kind of see where Kentucky is. I mean, Kentucky plays um, is it? It's at Georgia this week uh, coming yep. up, so you get to kind of see where they're at. I'm in the still in the impression that Kentucky is just an okay team. Um, I know you have your opinions of Georgia. Um, Georgia's defense is for real. I don't know that their offense is that good, but when your defense is as good as it is, your offense doesn't have to be that good. Yeah, well, uh, Auburn's receivers did not help them yesterday either. And, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, but you could say the same thing in that Vandy Florida game, and oh, you yeah, know, we, yeah, we look yeah. at it, and you know, it's 42 to nothing. Florida, Vandy has three missed field goals and just cannot catch a cold throw, uh, catching the ball for the majority of the game because they had several opportunities. So whoever's coaching their receivers needs to be fired today. Yeah. Um, their receivers were just running out of bounds on fade routes in the end zone. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, do you not teach to be seven yards and to work your fade to the sidelines instead of being on the sidelines and working your fade more, more to the sidelines? Like, what were you doing there? Uh, it was, uh, it was crazy. And, and let's go ahead. We'll get into that Florida game where, you know, it was 21 to nothing at halftime and, 
it was it was ugly. I mean, Dan Mullen said defense was awful and his quarterbacks weren't making plays. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. The team did not look good in the first half at all. Um, gave up over 200 yards of total offense to Vandy. Um, the defense couldn't make a tackle. Or, they couldn't even tackle air. Yeah, that, it was pretty bad. And, and you, you know, all you guys that wanted Dan Mullen, the, the, the pissed-off fire Dan Mullen, this was the pissed-off fiery Dan Mullen that you got this week because he was not happy, especially at halftime. If you read his comments, very short one-word comments, you could tell he was ticked off going into the halftime. And after halftime... And he chewed Grantham a new one yeah. multiple times. Didn't this? Uh, I don't know if it was the Christmas lights, the Halloween lights, the Easter <laughs> lights. I don't know what it was. But Grantham and Christian Robinson and uh, and the secondary coaches, they got earfuls multiple times. Yeah, it's reminiscent of the uh, Kentucky game last year with the visual of Dan Mullen yelling at Todd Grantham on the sidelines. It's, uh, it's You a- know, though, and, and, I, and I've been one of those people where I've said the defense has played better this year and been pretty good. And that's been the case. But Saturday for the real, I don't know that it, I don't know that it really got a ton better, even in the second half. I mean, they only allowed, I think 80 yards in the second half. Uh, Let me, let me pull that up. It was like 87 yards they allowed in the second half total uh 87 yards in the second half um but overall i mean vandy dominated the first half as far as time of possession goes oh yeah um i mean they had a time of possession of 11 17 in the second quarter ford only had the ball three minutes in the second quarter overall in the first half they had it 19 time uh 19 minutes to Florida's 10 uh, in there, and they ran, uh, let's see here, ran 49 plays. I mean, they just dominated the, the ball. I mean, they held on to the ball. There was a lot of reason Florida couldn't score as they didn't just didn't have the ball very much in the first half. Um, and and they, they, they can't tackle, man. I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I, I tweeted this there in the game, but how many times in that game was Florida in the backfield hitting their running backs in that backfield? And they're just bouncing and, off. Yeah, the ball yeah. was snapped over Ken Seal's head one time. The running back picks it up and gets eight or nine yards. And you're just like, what is going on here? And then the that stupid coverage where it's third and three and you're giving them 12 yards off the ball. You just want to scream at Todd Grantham and say, hey, dummy, play man press. But then it's third and 15 and the guy wants to play press man. And he gets beat. It, yeah. it just doesn't make sense. Some of his calls just make you scratch your head and say, what the heck? Now, we'll say this. Trey Dean, Rashad Torrance played their best yeah. game of the year. Now, you don't want your two safeties leading your team in tackles because that means they're getting to the second level. Yeah, and 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 obviously, the like you said, the, the missed tackles. And it's been it's been a problem throughout the whole year. These yeah. teams that hang around with with Vanderbilt having 36 and 10 minutes of time of possession this whole game, the floor is 23-50, and you're thinking to yourself right now, and you're not thinking offensively about this stat, you're thinking about yards after contact on defense. What does the statistics look like on that? And I haven't looked it up, and I probably will. I'll probably try to find it sometime this week. And, and Florida's got great defensive stats, don't get me wrong. Right now, I think their team is leading – Almost in the SEC, besides Georgia, Florida's 12th in the nation and average points allowed per game at 16.5. So the defense actually isn't playing bad if you go by points per game. But when it comes to these missed tackles and, and Vanderbilt getting 287 total yards, it, uh, there was a stat on uh, during halftime saying that Vanderbilt 
had 200 yards of offense. It was the first time they've had 200 yards of offense uh, since like it was it was a long time ago. I can't even remember what the exact stat, but it was pretty bad. I remember taking a screenshot of yeah. it on my television and posting it, and I'm like, damn, that's terrible. And yeah. it's just a missed tackles, really. If you, Florida's there to make the play. Florida is there usually more most times the time, than not, and they don't make the tackle, and then they give up big chunk yards of like 10, 20 yards, sometimes even more than that. And right. you, you saw that, and, and also if you go, if you notice, and then, and shout out to Lib Gator who breaks down all the games offensively and defensively, so you can watch the plays. If you go back to the FAU game all the way to now, sideline coverage is terrible. Every mm-hmm. time a team passes to the sidelines, we're allowing five, six, seven, eight yard chunks, sometimes even more. And than you that. know what a lot of that is. Yeah. And and we don't talk about it a ton, but that's what happens when you have linebackers who are defensive linemen converted to linebackers. Listen, I am the biggest Jeremiah Moon fan you'll ever meet in your life. I'm not just am outside of his family. I think Jeremiah Moon is going to have a fantastic NFL career. Um, but there is no reason Jeremiah Moon should be trying to cover a back or a tight end and Chris Bogle, the same thing. So the, 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 the issue is those guys cannot get out wide enough to, to make a play because it, it's an out route, and you're asking those these guys to try to get over there and make a play, and it just doesn't happen. There's These guys are not built to do that. I'm not. It's not a negative on them. It's not a knock on them. It's just tough for them to do that. And, and that's the issue that you see more times than not. And that's why teams can dink and dunk Florida is because they have linebackers that are not true linebackers. You know, it's not Tyron Hopper trying to play there. It's not um, Dewan Black or whatever it may be, or Amari Bernie. You know, it's, it's guys that are not fit to cover the pass as far as speed wide goes and they get beat. Yeah. And that that's been just the biggest knock on Todd Grantham so far this year is the fact that he's not putting the right people in in certain situations and also playing, like you said, like 15 million yards off the football in situations that he doesn't need to on third down. And uh, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into a little bit more of the defensive and, and, and us complaining about it because it's, it was just it was bad tackling-wise, don't get me wrong, but Florida overall did shut Vanderbilt out. It was a 42 to nothing score, but not to be, you know, if you look at the score, you're like, oh, yeah, Florida shut them out. But if you look at what happened in the game, Vanderbilt's kicker's terrible. I don't know if yeah. that was just the uh, the nature of the beast of the wind blowing a certain way or, or what. But if you look at it, and on that play that, that Vanderbilt had, that fourth down play, that should have been a touchdown, and it was called back. But obviously the, the football did hit the ground. But Great cover by Jason Marshall there, it, by the way. It was, though. I mean, Jason Marshall did what he could do to try to lodge the football out of Pierce's hands. And and granted, Pierce is, is a pretty good receiver. I, I give Pierce credit. He is a decent receiver for Vanderbilt. It He just couldn't hold on to the football all the way through. So uh, Vanderbilt just kept shooting themselves in the foot in the first half. And if you look at it, man, what Florida gave up off uh, defensive-wise in that first quarter, Vanderbilt makes all those field goals and makes that touchdown. We're sitting at like a twenty-one to thirteen game at halftime, and then now yeah. it, it's the 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 Dan Mullen haters are are are, are starting to talk. So, but well, it goes back to what we said, you know, last week, and you know, even in the Tennessee game and the South Florida game, and that is that killer instinct. Yeah, that instinct to walk out the gate of the of the tunnel and just knock the heck out of an opponent. You know, you, you, you look at this, and, you know, Florida comes out in the first quarter, 
they put up 120 uh, yards total offense, 14 points. But then the Even. second half, they regress. Yeah. And it's, and it's that killer instinct, man. One of three on third downs in the first quarter. One of three at third downs in the third in the second quarter. That doesn't get it done. That doesn't get it done. You know, and, and and to be honest, it didn't really – the offense didn't get going until the, the fake punt in the third quarter to open the game. Why does it take those kind of things, David, to just get this team energized and to get this team ready to go? I, I don't get it. It is the most frustrating thing with this program right now that – irritates me is that fire that they need in some of these games. And I get it. It was noon. It was homecoming. It was Vanderbilt. It was hot. I get it all. But guess what? It was still Vanderbilt. You still had an opportunity. Georgia put up 35 points in the first quarter against Vanderbilt. Yeah. They had came out with a fire. They had to play the same Vanderbilt team. Um, and if I'm if I'm correct, it was a noon kick for them too. Um, so it, they, you had the opportunity. The difference is Florida was coming off an embarrassing loss to Kentucky, where you would have thought they were going to come out and just kick the teeth out of Vanderbilt. And I, you know, I said this all week. I said, I don't expect Florida to come out and just run right over Vanderbilt in the first half. I didn't. And I, David, I don't know. I, I, it is a mystery to me. It's a question to me why this team doesn't come out with that energy. I, it's, it's just mind boggling that it's game after game after game. Right. And, you know, that Jeremy Crawshaw fake field goal, or no, excuse me, fake punt, not fake field punt. goal, fake punt. I mean, we got another speedier punter. That 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 looked good. And I like seeing that, but at the same time, if you're playing a team like Vanderbilt, you shouldn't need to do that. That's hey, that, he ran was, more yards than one of his punts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he shanked one, didn't he? He shanked yeah. one down the field. Yeah. We had a twenty yard punt and a six yard punt by Vandy. Yeah. Uh, Vandy shanked one there too. But yeah, like like you said though, you shouldn't have to be running those type of plays against a team like Vanderbilt. You should be able right. to. I mean, granted, they came out fourteen to nothing, really, like really fast. Kind of sputtered there, and then uh, wound up going into halftime twenty-one points. And I even posted this. I said it took Florida a whole half to score twenty-one points, and then they come out after halftime, and it takes them eight minutes to put up twenty-one more points against Vanderbilt. And then, obviously, you know, we'll get into Anthony Richardson here too. He was in the game for maybe a drive, or it was like one drive. He was in. The I think game. it was third series. He came in. Yeah, third and series. that's when he threw the pick. And, you know, it was uh, he got a ton of pressure, but you cannot throw that ball yeah. if you're Anthony Richardson. You can't throw that ball there. Um, and then then Emory throws his uh, – was it – was it a – he had a pick in the first – was it the first half or second half? Uh, yeah, it was. I don't think he had it. I think he had it in the second half. It was a bad his, throw to Justin Shorter. He should have never even threw it there. Yeah, he should have never thrown it. If he throws it on, if he throws it on target to Justin Shorter, it's picked off anyway. He should have never threw it that way. Um, but still, Emory, when you brought in Anthony and you just killed the momentum right there of of the team, then they just went backwards. And and I, that's the you know that's the biggest question mark that you know all coaches have with the two quarterback system. And, you know, and, and I, I'm sure you were the same way as I was last year, where at times it was just frustrating when Emory would come in the game and Kyle would be rolling and it would yeah. just take away the momentum. And you were like, what is he doing? 
And it's kind of the thing here a little bit. And I get that he wants to play Anthony on that third series, but I think you also, in a way, have to take into consideration how the game's going. And, you know, Dan was up, or uh, Emory was up 14 to nothing. You brought him in and you killed momentum there. Um, and I, you know, I mean, obviously, Emory needs to be able to bounce back from that, but you kill the momentum. And it, it's the age old question of, when do you put him in? I don't know. I will say this. I thought he didn't. I thought he left Emory in too long in, in the second yeah. half. I was wondering when he was going to bring in Anthony in the second half. Well, I think part of it was, too, that um, I think Dan Mullen wanted to get Emory more time throwing the football. And I, I, I don't know if Dan was just trying to prove everybody wrong, saying that Emory can't throw a pass you know, past 20 yards. I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying that they weren't allowing, yeah, they weren't allowing Emory Jones to do that. Now they did kind of take the handcuffs off of him this game. And I think Dan Mullen kept him in there to get his passing confidence up and all that. I I figured that maybe he would have kept Emory Jones in there longer than what he should have just based on that fact, considering they they did not have a good game against Kentucky last week. Maybe wants to get Emory Jones a little bit more confidence, but I didn't understand why he kept Emory Jones in there that long. When it was at 35 to nothing, we need to see Anthony Richardson, Lingard, Bowman, all those other guys, which we did see, but it was in the fourth quarter. And at the same time, it really took me off towards that at, at the end of the fourth quarter. You put Anthony Richardson in there just to hand the ball off. You don't, yeah. you don't have him like at least try. Who cares if Vanderbilt scores 14 points? Who cares if they score 21 right. points at that point? You're still going to beat them. All that matters. You're is trying to work on yourself. Right. And people and, are, people are going to know why, why Vanderbilt scored 21 points. It's garbage time. Right. Nobody's going to care. Right. Like the final right. score is not going to look good, but nobody's going to care. Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, well, I mean, you would have some, you would have some people who would get, you know, all pissed off or whatever, but you know, it gets, we all know that that's not the case, but yeah, I mean, it was, and you know, and here's the thing for me with Emory, and that is, it was good to see him throw the deep ball. Yeah. It was good to see him hit Damian Pierce and Naquan, um, you know, on those long seam routes out of the backfield um, for the running back. It was good to see that, but like at the same time, my my question then becomes: Can you do that against good football teams? Yeah, Vander's, Vanderbilt's probably the worst football team you'll see all year. Maybe maybe Sanford's worse, maybe. But I thought USF was bad. USF would beat Vandy. Um, FAU would beat Vandy. Um, yeah. So you you see that, and you know, again, I'm I, I'm glad to see it, and hopefully that gives him the confidence. Hopefully that gives his you know receivers the confidence. Hopefully that gives Dan the confidence to to go out there and do that. Uh, it was good to see uh, for sure. Um, you know, for for me the thing with with Anthony is this, and that is it's tough to judge. It's tough to judge Anthony Richardson as a whole. Yeah. We all know he can run the ball, um, but he didn't really run the ball very well against Vandy. Um, we don't know if he can throw. He was 4-6 with an interception. Okay, cool. But, again, we don't really know if he can throw the ball. We don't know, really know what he can do with this offense. It's kind of the same thing you had with Emory last year where, you know, we all knew Emory could run the ball, but we only seen Emory throw the ball in, in certain situations. So we didn't learn anything about him. Um, so, you know, again – I think that you kind of see a little bit where Dan's coming from when he said Anthony needs to grow a little bit, still needs to get better. I, I, I was trying to find his quote, and I couldn't find it, but he said after the game something along the lines of he needed to execute better and understand how to make better reads, and maybe that's the case for him. I mean, obviously there's a reason he's not playing. 
Um, yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, if it is the the reads or whatever it may be. Um, I, I will say like you, I thought he would have played earlier and I thought he would have played a little bit more simply for the fact that the transfer portals out there nowadays. And you kind of seen some rumblings after the game. Emory even said it, that he had to console Anthony a little bit after the game. You start to worry if that creeps in the back of somebody's mind. Yeah, and you've seen an article about it too, but I think the article well, that was trash. Yeah, that was that was little, trash. That was a little overboard. But um, Emory Jones had finished the game fourteen for twenty-two for two hundred seventy-three yards, one interception, four touchdowns, a sixty-four percent completion rating. Richardson, like you said, four for six, twenty-five yards, an interception, a sixty-seven percent completion rating. But the thing is about Anthony Richardson too. Now that that interception that he had threw, and I know a lot of folks was they were saying, oh well, yeah, well then now look, Emory Jones looks a lot better. That the coverage on that play sucked. Like if Emory Jones gets hit while letting go of that football, he's probably throwing a pick too. So I don't want to. You just there. can't throw that ball. Can't you can't, throw, you it. can't throw it though. You can't throw it though. So that I mean, I, I do think that Richardson has a better upside talent wise, I think than Emory Jones. But as far as you know, experience, learning the game, going through his reads, I think he needs to learn a little bit. I mean, he's obviously young. He's a young kid. He's going to go through the learning experience, the same learning experience Emory Jones went through. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he's got a good upside, but it, you know, you did see it. You see some freshman mistakes. You seen some mental mistakes as well. But you know, Anthony Richardson obviously uh, is good enough to at least put out there on some design run plays if you want to. Uh, I think that you know, the further along that Anthony Richardson gets more experience, he'll be a lot better. And that's why I didn't understand why they were just having him hand off the ball at the end of the game when he needs this experience. This is the experience you get, and you know, when you had chances to blow teams out in the past. You haven't blown him out, and you couldn't get Emory Jones in some of the games in certain situations last year because the defense was just bad. You mean you seen him in the Arkansas game a little bit? It you need that that experience is very vital for the future for your quarterback because once Emory Jones go, goes and Anthony Richardson, even if he hasn't gotten any in game experience, you're in trouble. You're kind of in a situation that you are with Emory Jones now, but Emory Jones has vastly improved throughout e- each game. So uh, anyway, man. Um, I don't want to go on to the quarterbacks too much. Uh, you know, Emory Jones did have pretty much a good game, except for that one interception. Uh, you got the uh, leading receivers here. Copeland would lead the team in receiving uh, five receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. Whittemore would have three receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. Naquan Wright would have two receptions for 57 yards. Free yards is how you say his name, right? It's not Frazier's, it's free yards. Did they say Frazier's? Frazier's. Frazier's. Yeah, it's Jaquavion Frazier's, yeah. Two for ten. See, I butcher names. Two for ten for yeah. one touchdown and one reception for Damian Pierce for sixty one yards. Say this. I did like that one touchdown pass, Damian Pierce. That was pretty nice. Yo, that, that was great. I mean, the, Emory threw the ball well for the most part. Yeah, he you know, the did. interception was bad. The um the um play to Rick Wells where Rick Wells was so open that he could have walked I over know. and handed him the ball. That was bad. Um and, and it kind of goes back to what Mullen said at the beginning of the year. Um, where Emory's going to make some plays or passes that you're going to scratch your head and say, that's terrible. And then he's going to make some plays where you're going to say, okay, there's the potential. And it's there. You're going to have to take the positives with the negatives there uh, for sure. I I think that's even kind of the case a little bit with Bryce Young at Bama. And we're going to get into that a little bit here in a more in a minute. But um, I wanted to go to Jaquavion Frazier's real quick. Yeah. 
I think Jaquavion Frazier's is a freak. I yeah. said that a lot last year coming out of high school that I thought Jaquavion was really good. He's a big body receiver, man, and he does a good job of just going to get the ball. Um, and you know he's got two touchdowns now in the in the game uh, or in the on the season, and you know he's had a he's had a good season in my opinion. Um, and I I think he's a good player, man. I think you need to find more touches for him. Um, you know, I'll say this. I would even give him Justin Shorter's touches. I feel like he does more with the ball than Justin does. Yeah, Justin Shorter's surprisingly been He just worries me when he when you throw the ball to Justin. It's He tries to catch it too much with his chest instead of just going to get the ball with the hands. It, it, it You just want to say, hey, go hit the judge machine, big guy. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see Dan Mullen trust Jaquavi and Frazier's more this season because this is what the second time we've seen him in a, in a touchdown in a touchdown yeah. pass situation, and and also a good stat that you know I harped on red zone stats. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago. Florida improves four for four in the red zone, as you should against a team like Vanderbilt. But still, it's good to see that when Florida's in the red zone and the boxes are all stacked, everybody's congested enough together, they're still able to pull off a touchdown. Poor. Uh... Well, not poor, but Damian Pierce gets the the love of, of the goal oh, yeah. line. Poor Naquan, you know, goes out at the one, doesn't get the uh, doesn't get the touchdown, and then Trent Woodmore goes at the one, and and Damian gets clean up. And I, I'm just I'm kidding when I say that, but um, yeah, it just seemed like uh, or it didn't seem like it was, you know, Damian Pierce kind of gets to come in and clean up the the thing. But hey, good for good for Damian to finally get some uh, the the runs he needs because I mean Damian's done really well um, on the on the year. I mean he only had seven for uh, seven carries. 12 yards in the game didn't didn't do too much naquan though i'm telling you naquan might be the best player florida has yeah i mean as far as i mean he's got speed too i didn't realize how fast naquan Wright was until he was able to take off the second level uh he's very shifty too from what i've seen like vision is really good yeah shiftiness is there and he does have that top end speed and the thing is for naquan is naquan is this new age running back where He's a running back, but he's also a a really, really good receiver who can catch the ball. And and I think that's kind of the difference there. You know, and and I mean obviously Damian Pierce had the the, the touchdown catch uh and showed some speed. I didn't know that he had the speed there, but he had it. And then you had uh you know you have Malik who's all year done it. But Naquan I think might be your best player on the on this on this offense uh for sure. Um he's not like a powerful running back, but he's Everything else you want in a running back that can do everything. Right, right. Well, and he's kind of what you want out of a spread back in a way. And that is a guy who, you know, when they do their zone blocking, you know, you can run it up the middle, but you also may have to bounce it. And that's kind of what you want from from a from a spread back is, you know, a guy like, you know, um, Naquan who can do a little bit of both. So uh, I, I like it. Um, I, I do. I, I, I like the um, his vision. I like his ability to kind of do a lot of different things. Uh, I'd like to see more get more touches, but then that's taken away touches from Damian Pierce, who's done really well on the year. So um, I wanted to hit on this, though, and that is um, offensive line play. Are you starting to get worried? Um, I knew there were injuries, but at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, it's Vanderbilt. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say for the most part, though, uh, when Emory Jones was out there and he was in the pocket, he was pretty well protected. He, uh, not on every play, but mm-hmm. 
I think he was pretty well protected, but I think that the problem is is now teams are starting to stack the box against Florida. They figured mm-hmm. out what Florida's going to do. They're going to try to run the ball down your throat. You're, they want Emory Jones to be forced to throw the football. So every team's stacking the box now. And I'm not worried, per se, I guess, about Florida's offensive line. I don't think they're one of the most elite offensive lines in the nation, but I think they're good enough to keep you to, to at least win you football games, to at least protect the quarterback for the most part. I haven't seen them play Georgia yet. I haven't seen them play LSU yet. But I did see them play a Kentucky defensive and offensive line that looks pretty damn good. And for the most part, they did okay, but they did get dominated pretty much on both sides of the football there. But I think Kentucky, man, and, and, and Kentucky's not a good football team, don't get me wrong, especially quarterback-wise, but I think their offensive-defensive line are, it might be the best in the SEC, along with Georgia. They're physical. They're physical. Um, I will say this. I, I kind of think, and I, I may be too critical here. You know me. I'm... I'm I'm an offensive line guy, and you know I'm I'm very critical of offensive line play. I'm always am, um, but I, I I feel like they've lost that edge, man. Where you know they were just blowing off the ball, and you know obviously um, Tarquin had to start at left tackle because Garage didn't play. Um, but it just you're not seeing those guys blow off the football like they were. Um, you know, you're seeing some holding calls now. You're seeing, oh, you know, yeah. just several things that are like head scratchers. Um, you know, and uh, the pocket for for the for the passing game was better um, to uh, on Saturday than it was in the Kentucky game. Uh, but you're still not seeing those big holes you were getting, you know, in the running game. Um, I will say perimeter blocking was a little bit better in this game. There was still some just absolute head scratchers, but then there was, it was better at times. I just don't, I don't know. I I, I feel like in a way they've lost that physical pounded offensive line play that they had against Bama, against Kentucky. Uh, I mean, against Tennessee and, they need to find it, and they need to find it quick because when you play Georgia in a couple weeks, and even LSU, I mean, LSU's not a good football team by any shape or the form, but LSU always has big boys up front. Yeah. You better be ready to push them guys around. Yeah, and, then, and they recruit overall better talent-wise than Florida does for the most part, I would say. Right. So I, th- these next two matchups are going to show you what the offensive line is really about. I mean, you know, this could have just been a game that, you know, the guys weren't energized for. Obviously, it's Vanderbilt. It's a noon game. Yeah, You, you never know. And, and you know, it, if you want to allude back to the halftime comments that Dan Mullen had made and after halftime, Florida only given up 87 yards total offense. Uh, was it a mentality thing? Was it an attitude thing? Was there Were they not up for this game in the first half? They get chewed out at halftime? But see, that's the thing. And I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Yeah, go ahead. Because what you said, and not not what you said. I mean, not you, but what you said just it irritates me. Oh. Make me say a bad word uh, on this podcast. I'm trying not to say <laughs> bad words, <laughs> but I'll it just it, irritates me that you don't freaking come out with that fire in in this in the beginning of this game. You just got embarrassed by Kentucky. Yeah embarrassed that's all it is to it you got embarrassed against Kentucky whether Kentucky's a good football team or not you got embarrassed because you didn't come out and play good ball you didn't come out with a fire how do you not come out with a fire and I and I'm and I'm not blaming Mullen I'm not blaming the coaches I'm blaming the players themselves because at some point you can only as a coach preach to your guys so much 
that you come out with the fire that, you know, Felipe Franks used to get on my everlasting nerves, shushing the crowd. But in a way, you you wanted to come out and shush the crowd and tell me, tell you, tell everyone else, shut up. We have the passion. We can be physical. It was just an off week last week. Well, guess what? We can still kind of question that away. Because they didn't come out with a fire. You know, even in the second half, they didn't really come out with a, uh, you know, a ton of fire. Yeah, they threw the ball for touchdowns and the defense played okay. They didn't come out with that fire of just pushing people around. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, it could be part coach-wise. It could be part player-wise. But at the at the end of the day, as a player, especially in to all the games that I've been to, Zachary Carter is one of those guys that comes out and he's he's screaming. You see him just, he's got the energy. Zachary Carter is like the, the biggest leader on this team, I think, if you look yes. at all the players. But who's that guy on offense? Yeah, I know. Emory Jones kind of a reserved, quiet guy. He's kind of like right. a, a, Emory's a, not your Emory's not your rah-rah kind of get-in-your-face kind of guy. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that there's an offensive lineman that's that guy, you know. Um, Gene DeLance is kind of more of a quiet guy. Stuart Reese is the same way. Um, you know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're missing that guy that can just get in their face, you know. Um, Van Jefferson was a quiet guy, but Van Jefferson was a guy who held everyone accountable. Um, yeah. Trayvon Grimes was a little bit of that. Um so maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're missing that. But somebody needs to light a fire. And it and it again, it's crazy that it took a Jeremy Crawshaw fake punt to get this offense motivated. Yeah. You know, it also took a uh, a Daquan Newkirk interception in the backfield to get this backfield motivated as well. <laughs> hey, so, Daquan, hey, man. Look Daquan. at that. Put him at tight end, man. Hey. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, he had an interception. Trey Dean had an interception this game as well, too. Trey Dean plays balls out, man. Dude, he I, played. I, and they almost ejected him for a stupid targeting call. Oh, and yeah. that's beyond that. Man, Trey Dean's a football player, man. He's oh. just a football player. You you have to love his mentality. Does he go overboard at times? Yeah. You know, does he, you know, miss some tackles because he comes flying up there ready to, you know, kill somebody, it seems like? Yeah. But, man, he just a ball player. Yeah. Uh, Florida defensively on the defensive line would have six tackles for loss. Vanderbilt with three. Florida with three sacks. Vanderbilt with zero. Uh, two interceptions here, man. Um, yeah, trading – and he was the guy that I picked defensively this year that would be the most improved player. You saw flashes last year of trading, doing the things that he was doing, especially in that SEC championship game, unfortunately, with the fumbled interception. Still made the play, though. And, uh, yeah, I, I think trading is the most improved on this defense. I think he's got a lot more fire than uh, what a lot of people give him for. Two games in a row, though, dude. He's been all over the field. Got to give it off to, to, to zero. And I, I can't remember if I picked him last week or not, but... Let me if go I, look here. I got I, 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 like I said, I want to give props to to Rashad too. Yeah, I, I really do because um, Rashad played some good ball, man. I mean, he led the team in tackles with fifteen tackles. He was in the backfield a lot, yeah. a lot on Saturday. And I again, you you got to give props to that man. Uh, he he did a really good job. Um, he kind of you know is quiet. Some of those you know people who said he couldn't. Um, he couldn't be a, an, an elite safety. He's quieted a lot of those guys. Um, but, but I did, I, I thought he did really well. Um, still a question mark at corner, man. I thought Jason Marshall played well. Um, 
But when Trevez Johnson went out for targeting, didn't think Jadarius Perkins played very well um, in the game. And, you know, I mean, Avery Helm was beat a little bit, but they're still looking for that that other corner. Um, but And I think Jason Marshall took a step forward, but they're still looking for that other corner. Right, yeah. Jason Marshall, obviously the five-star guy over there. And, you know, I, I, like I said, Jason Marshall played a good game I would have liked to have seen better play from some of the other corners uh but you know when when you're a freshman out there and you're not Kyer Elam and you're having to replicate those shoes when he's hurt it's kind of hard to do but yeah hats off to him anyway it was Vanderbilt you shut him out 42 to nothing thank god they don't have a field goal kicker and thank god that uh Perkins couldn't hold on to that football um so yeah you you get well and I think Jason you know it's always tough, you know, for a corner because, you know, you're always spotlighted and, 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 and you're always spotlighted when they're throwing at you. But, I, but I thought he did a good job of pretty much shutting down his side of the field. And again, he forced, you know, that the receivers for Vandy were stupid to run out of bounds, but still he forced them that way. You know, he, he did a good job of breaking that pass up on, on Perkins uh, in the end zone. Uh, where he, you know, did his strip, you know, of the and hand bar of the the right arm to to really knock it away. So I, I thought he did. I thought he played well. Um, Zach Carter played well. Um, uh, Antoine Powell got his first sack in the game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I saw I saw that. Actually, Antoine Powell didn't play too bad yesterday. He actually no. Yeah, he actually impressed me a little bit. Was, he had what one sack, but then he had didn't he have some uh, pressures tackle for loss. Oh, yeah. Two, maybe? Yeah, I, I think I remember seeing Antoine Powell quite a bit yesterday. He had uh, he had one and a half tackles for loss, um, two quarterback hurries, and he was credited for a sack and a half. There you go, Antoine Powell. Have you a day? So, earn, earn, earn that time on that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you continue to see uh, guys, and, you know, you got to have somebody step up there next year. Um, you know, you, you've got guys leaving, so you always need somebody to step up there. Um, let's see here. You picked, let me go back to this. Your first pick was Emory. I'm going to give you a win. Yeah. I'm give you a win. I think that was kind of an easy pick though. Cause I, I figured Emory Jones would be tossing the ball yeah. around against Vanderbilt. So that's why I'm, I'm going to give you a win there. Um, even though I don't, I don't like giving wins, but he had four touchdowns and he had, uh, about 273 yards. So. And 40 yards rushing. So give you a win there. Uh, our man Ethan picked Jacob Copeland, and I got to give him a win too, man. He five for 79 for a touchdown. Yeah, it was all on like, and most of his yardage was on one drive too, which was funny. So he had yeah. like, I think he had 76 yards or something on one drive for a touchdown. Man, just get going north and south on that screenplay. Oh my God. Man, I know. there was nothing there. And he was only going to get a yard, but just go, man. Go. I'm yelling at him. Come on, Jake. Come on, man. Like, go. He, like, ran into two uh, of his own players. Yeah. Uh, I had AR-15. <laughs> Loss. Sucks. Hey, it is what it is. You had Damian Pierce. Yeah. He, meh. Uh, Naquan Wright. You get a win. Uh, you get a win. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. had touchdowns. So he, 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 he iced the touchdowns for a lot of people yesterday. He had three touchdowns. You get a win. That's an easy win. Um, easy win, and he didn't get benched. Um, Ethan had Zach Carter. What did Zach's numbers? Zachary Carter was. Let's see. Let's see. Zach had one tackle and one quarterback hurry, saying, yeah, not going to win. No moral victories. I, I, I mean, I did think Zach was there, though, more. I mean, he had a lot of quarterback hurries, but still, stats are what we judge this on. I got Jason Marshall next. Uh, 
I thought Jason played well. I don't like moral victories, but I thought Jason played really, really well. I was going to say, in my head, I was thinking, yeah, I'll give you that one. Because Jason Marshall did play pretty well. I mean, Vanderbilt didn't score any points. He, he technically kept Vanderbilt's receiver from scoring. You know, juggled the ball. He dropped it. I I, I give him a victory. He, he, he put his hand in there. And, and I don't think if he put his hand in there, that guy's not juggling that ball. So, I'll give him a victory. And you had shorter. And you're not getting no win for shorter. <laughs> no. I, I think I'm done picking shorter for the rest of this year. One catch for nine yards. Yeah, that was eh, that was bad. If, if, uh, if you're not going to give this guy catches, put him on special teams. Let him return catches. He went with Malik. And, uh, you know, I, we all thought I – mean, we all knew Malik was banged up, but we thought he would still, you know, try to give it a go. They decided to hold it uh, – hold him out. So, yeah. Well, and they- then my third pick was uh, – my man Demarcus Bowman, and he only had five five runs, twenty one yards. So loss. Yeah, I thought we would see more of him this game too. That's why I was kind of iffy on picking the backup. I knew we'd see the backups, but I just I wasn't sure how much they would play. So that's why I was wasn't curious. But I, I you know final game statistics: Florida finishes the game with four hundred seventy nine yards of offense. Vanderbilt with two eighty seven. Two hundred of those offensive yards would come in the first half. Eighty seven. Uh, Florida would clean it up, though, 87 yards in the second half. Florida with 298 passing and 181 yards rushing. Vanderbilt with 199 yards passing and 88 yards rushing. And uh, Florida would go 8 for 80 on penalties. Got to clean up penalties, man. That is Penalties, man. Two straight drives where it took off a first down, man. Yeah. I, get it cleaned up. The false starts and the holdings, get it cleaned up. It's old. It's dumb. Get it cleaned up. You are at home. Get it cleaned up. That's all it is to it. Yeah. Get it cleaned up. Yeah, you think you're going to go into uh, LSU Stadium next week and not have those kind of penalties? Yeah. Well, you definitely got to clean that. I think in practice this week they need to concentrate on penalties and sideline coverage. Penalties and sideline coverage. You did everything else pretty improved from the next week to the next, but that is the thing that I think that they got to improve on. But uh, first down stats, too, were, were killer for me to look at. Vanderbilt, 19 first downs, Florida, 18 first downs. So Vanderbilt had more first downs than Florida. Now, granted, Florida was scoring quite quicker than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt would have to usually drive down the ball to score. They couldn't get really big, any big explosives downfield, except for maybe a couple times. So Vanderbilt leading in first downs, I don't really look too much into that, but God, man, defense has got to be better. You can't be giving up 19 first downs to a team like Vanderbilt. Uh, they were, well, I mean, you kind of we kind of talked about it, and you said it, you know, on uh, – uh, Friday's podcast, and that is Vandy kind of plays keep away with the ball. Yeah, they milk because the yeah, um, and they did. I mean, they had thirty six time possession, twenty three alive. That was in the first half because you simply could not get them off the field. Uh, so you know, you you kind of don't take too much out of that um, in general. Um, but I said this to you during the game, and that is, man, Ken Sills. I know Ken Sills is going to be a good player last year. Yeah. He looked like dog turds last night. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Seals hasn't had a good year at all. I think before the game, we I viewed his QBR and he had a 27.2, which is like one of the worst QBRs in the nation almost. It's like 115th or something like that. Yeah. I, I thought he would be a football team. Usually quarterbacks like improve from one year to the next, or they, they either stay the same and get worse, or they just stay mediocre and that's it. Right. And well, he, Kentucky is, you know, they they beat up on LSU. Yeah. And, David, if Florida needs any freaking bulletin board material this week, 
to rebound after Shoegate, I don't I don't know what to tell this team. Yeah, I, I would you be need, playing multiple I would be playing multiple clips of LSU making fun of the shoe throw. That's what I would be playing all week. And then after Max that, Johnson's not good. If we this offense is not good. Orgeron is going to come in now. Orgeron's going to come in looking for fire. Yeah. Last year, beating Florida saved him his job pretty much. He's going to try to look to do the same because his job is hanging by threads. Yeah, and Max Johnson sucks. Oh, he's terrible. This whole offense is terrible. Their defense isn't good. But figure out a way to come out with fire because I guarantee you LSU is going to come out with fire at home. It's going to be a noon kick, 11 o'clock Baton Rouge time. It's going to be early in the morning. You can't come out slow against teams that are decent. Yeah, that have better They have talent. talent. Yeah. Yeah, and Max Johnson sucks. He's bad. He's terrible. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Final stats of the game, 80 total plays for Vanderbilt, 62 for UF. Got to clean that up, too. They can't have 80 total plays for Vanderbilt. But like we said before, Vanderbilt likes to milk the clock. They get a lot of first downs anyway. They don't wind up scoring, which is what they did this week as well. Yards per play, Florida with 7.7 yards per play and 3.6 for Vanderbilt. So, yeah, that's pretty much final stats of the game. And actually, I'll go over the uh, final stats of the year right now. Florida now ranks 29th in average points per game at 33.2, so they improved them from last week's uh, debacle against Kentucky there. Uh, still down from last year's 39.8, but we didn't expect this offense to be world beaters and, and have Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and score 40 points on everybody, so I'm, I'm not too keen on that one. But uh, in, the, in the 30s range, that's where you want to be with a slightly improved defense. So get an improved defense, be in the 30 points per game average. Hopefully you can score 30 points. On LSU, Georgia, doubt you're going to score 30 points on Georgia, but let's just hope. Let's just pray, right? Uh, they'll be ninth in total yards this year at 504.2 total yards per game average, which is actually really, really good. So you're still humming offensive-wise, yardage-wise. Didn't put up the points uh, last week, but as far as offensive yards go, it's pretty damn good. Uh, ranked in the top 10 in the nation. Uh, they'll be third in rush yards per game at 274. Still way up from last year's 131.2. So definitely improved in offensive line play, even though the offensive line kind of looks a little bit shaky these past couple of games, but hopefully they can pick that up here. Florida's also allowing opponents 319.2 yards per game, ranked 26th in the nation, which is actually surprising. I thought it would be a little bit more worse than that. Florida's also ranked 26th in the nation in average rush yards allowed per game at 110.8. So Florida not really allowing much rushing yards, except for against Kentucky, it looks like. Even against Alabama, you had keys in that game where you could have stopped them on third downs and their running backs. You just missed a tackle. So you just got to clean up missed tackles. Uh, Florida's also 42nd in passing yards allowed per game at 208.3. So, uh, you know, when I looked over this year's stats so far, especially halfway through the year, uh, you know... On paper, Florida's stat, statistical-wise, it's not bad. The eye test, though, tells you something different, obviously. So Florida's... I'm going to say this. Florida's, to be honest, in total defense points allowed, Florida's only allowing, I think it's 16.5 points per game. It's pretty good. I mean, it is. Yeah, but I'm going to say this to you. That means crap. Yeah. Sorry. You're 4-2. You're and two. Yeah, you are 4-2. Four four and two. Two. At the end of the day, you got to score more points than the other team. That's right. that's that's all. That and that's the thing, you know. You can play, you can have great stats and everything else. The the number beside you says four and two. <laughs> that's it. 
That's it. I mean, I, that just is what it is. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it just, you know, Vanderbilt can say, hey, well, you know, we, we put up 287 yards and we had, you know, missed full goals and yet this, that, and the other. You lost 42 to nothing. Shut up. Go home. Exactly. See, that's what Dan Mullen did last week. But now, uh, now he's had better stats and better points this game. But yeah. Man, like, would you, to move on for a second. Can you imagine saving after that game? Oh, man. I would not want to be in that locker room. That's- I mean, Bama goes down 17-7. to They battle back. Um, they get the punt block for a touchdown. Then immediately, uh, A&M returns a kick for a touchdown. Um, Bama goes up, and then uh, A&M ties it, and A&M gets a stop, and then, you know, hits the game-winning field goal. First of all, Jimbo talked so much smack. To Nick, it wasn't even funny, and then wins. Like you asked me this earlier, and it's a good question, and we'll see. You said, "Does that Alabama losing to A and M make Florida look worse, or or what?" And I don't know. I don't think that you can compare those games. Um, that was A and M Super Bowl. It always is for Jimbo. Jimbo wanted to be the first guy to beat Saban. Jimbo wanted to to have that signature win, um, and he finally got it. So I don't, you know, I mean, they kind of cost themselves two weeks in a row uh, games because they were dumb and preparing for Alabama already. Um, so I I don't know that you can uh, really say, you know, it makes Florida look worse or whatever. Um I think we all knew Bama wasn't as good as they have been. Georgia's probably the best team in the country right now, as bad as it hurts, it, it makes me to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Bama has work to do, man. Yeah, and it's amazing what, you know, getting better talent high school-wise and special teams does for you in close games because it helped Alabama out, but Texas A&M was able to score right back on special teams to help them out. It's amazing what happens when you recruit five-star talent and you can put them on. Well, I asked you this question off the air, and I want to ask it to you now, and I want to get the opinion of people, of the fans. Is Texas A&M better in year four as a program than Florida is under Dan Mullen in year four Dan Mullen's there? That is a really tough question because halfway through the season, I mean, you you would have to say – you would have to say A&M because they're both three and two. A&M beat Alabama, the team that you couldn't beat. And they beat, right. well, they beat them in College Station, but they, it was still home games for both of them. Um, but I will say this, and this is where I kind of argue a little bit. And I don't know that there's an answer. I mean, and I, you know, and it's tough to say. I mean, someone left them a wreck and, you know, they didn't have very much talent either. Um, but, you know, just as much as uh, Jimbo gets up to beat Saban, Dan gets up to beat Kirby, and he beat Kirby. And Dan did go to the SEC championship game last year. No, you know, it doesn't mean anything because you lost. Um, I think it's a question, you know. I I think definitely Texas A&M is recruiting better than Florida. And as a program, they probably have a little bit more talent. Um, I don't know. I'm going to be interested to see what fans have to say um, because – I lean a little bit more towards Florida being in a better shape than Jimbo, but I can also 
understand the argument of Jimbo. I mean, they did finish higher than Florida last year in the college football playoff, that kind of stuff. So, oh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, chime in either on social media uh, or on the message board. Let us know what you think. Yeah, actually, we'll post the question there on the boards, too, for you folks. That way y'all can answer it, because I'm curious to see the answers, too. But I think if you put Florida against A&M right now, I think Florida could beat them. I mean, um, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think A&M's quarterback's that good. but our defense No, but I would say plays. this. I think Florida would have some trouble blocking A&M, um, and then I think A&M would have some problems blocking Florida. Minus, mis- I don't know. Minus- I mean, Florida was a fumble away last year from winning that game yeah. um, at A and M, and you know that was just that's a totally different team that's playing that A and M team, though. Yeah, no, 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 completely. I'm saying, you know, just from a standpoint of you know head to head, you know, Florida should have won that game last year. Yeah. Should have, could have, would have, though. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, we'll get to see it next year. Um, you know, when the two teams go, um, and you know, AM should have their quarterback back, uh, Haynes King. Um, I, I didn't think the quarterback played bad last night. Um, I think you know, obviously, Jimbo's a really good offensive coordinator and he game planned around his strengths. Um, I thought he missed some open throws, but then I thought he, he made some good throws. Well, he had the same game plan that Dan Mullen had, but he had better talent, but at the right. same time, he gave up more points to Alabama, and I think, I think our defense is better. Minus missed tackles. Well, I will say are, this. Minus missed tackles, our defense is way much better. The difference in that game was pretty simple. AM didn't allow um, Bama to jump out to a big lead. Right. They got off to the fast start. See, yeah. Alabama got off to a fast start against us. We couldn't come back. Same thing with Alabama or Texas AM. They got off to a fast start. Alabama couldn't come back in the end. I mean, they almost pulled it off. Don't get me wrong, but you go off to a fast start like that, it increases. Guess what? What we talked about last week? Margin for error. And that's how you win football games. Yeah. And yeah. that's how A&M. Florida does come into this week ranked number 17 in the country, and AM is uh, 18 in the coaches' poll. I knew it would go up a little bit because, shoot, even uh, BYU got upset uh, this week. This college yeah. football, this, this, this whole year of college football has just been insane. There's no elite teams except for Georgia, from what I've seen. I haven't seen an elite team. Now, I, I guess props to Cincinnati. You have to give them credit. They haven't lost a game either, but. Did Notre Dame end up winning last night? Yeah, barely. By the skin of their dang teeth, they keep freaking Because I, I seen they came back to um, get the uh, two-point conversion late in that game, and, and that's how they ended up you know, going to, what, overtime. So I will say this, and, and I was uh, telling you this uh, off the air, um, the new two-point conversion, having to go for it in third overtime, and it, it, makes, it pains me to say this because it makes me mad. My South Alabama Jaguars lose to Texas State in a – game that they were up by 14 with nine minutes to go and major Applewhite decides to be cute and try to do a flea flicker and the flea flicker was picked off by the defense lineman as the running back tried to flip it back and Texas A&M had all the momentum and yada 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 anyway they, they go to once the third overtime happens you, you there's no plays it's just two-point conversion you go for it, either get the two-point conversion or you don't and they just keep going I think it's cool I mean you know, I, I think in a way it, it's kind of cheesy and it kind of doesn't, uh, you know, mean real football. But I, I like it, man. It was it was entertaining. Now, it was pressure for my Jags and watching it was not fun uh, for me. But it was just – it was entertaining. And I thought it was much better than just keep seeing them go from the 25. Yeah, also, 
another rule, and I'm glad they're over. They're going to relook this rule next year. The targeting rule sucks. It's stupid. The targeting rule is completely. It, it's ridiculous. I I hate the targeting rule. I cannot stand the targeting rule. I understand player safety, and you're going to have to do something. You know, when you reevaluate this rule, so I understand player safety. But it's getting to be like when you run into a player in basketball. Like every time you touch a player in basketball, it's a, it's a foul or it's a penalty or something like that. That's why I can't stand watching right. basketball. But it, it got to a point yesterday with these refs, they got so flag-happy on just about every single hit that there was, slightly touch a helmet of a Vanderbilt player, it's targeting, and and, and all. it's just, I don't know. I don't like targeting. Well, I think you have to look at it and say, if the offensive player drops his head to initiate targeting, you can't call it. I, I right. think you have to. I, you know, I, I heard... Um, uh, I believe it was the Bama A&M game where there was some talk that now maybe they will go to like the NBA rule of flagrant one, flagrant two, to where flagrant one is just uh, a penalty um, and not an ejection. Um, and then a flagrant two would be an ejection. Then it becomes into the referee's hands of judgment and, and, and all this. I, I don't know, man. I don't know where this targeting thing is going. I don't know that I want to see flagrant one and flagrant two because, I mean, then the referee even has more, you know, power to say, hey, you know, yeah, that was on purpose. Well, yeah. And who knows? Because, you know, again, you know, for instance, like Trey Dean, he was coming in. It was helmet was there. It wasn't that bad, you know. Now Trevez was. I, I give it to him. Trevez dropped his, um, dropped his head and 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 hit him under the chin. And you want to teach that if you drop your head when you don't have to. I, I get it, but I I don't know. I really don't know where it's gonna go. Yeah, I, I'm just an old guy, man. So I'm used to. Oh, I'm too. I, I'm, I'm used to old school who, football, man. Give me the blindside blocks. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, hey, those used to be the highlight reel kings, the blindside blocks. So you know, I'm with you, man. I mean, give me old school football, but I think you and I are going to be outnumbered by a lot. That that famous major right hit to that Oklahoma receiver. Yeah, that would have yeah. been targeting, it, but it wasn't yeah. back then. Which right, yeah. Anyway, well, I mean, listen, I love some big hits. I you know, Keanu Neal. I don't know how the guy's playing football anymore. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. I so, mean, like, that's the thing. And I understand it's player safety, but at the end of the day, you got to let kids play football too. So That's right. We'll see. Uh, all right, man, we'll wrap us up. We'll get back on Friday, and we'll uh, we'll talk a little more uh, uh, Gators and LSU as uh, Florida travels to uh, Death Valley for uh, 11 a.m. local time, uh, Baton Rouge kick, and it was announced that it will be on ESPN. That is right. Florida will travel to LSU. We'll be another nooner for you folks out there. So at least we get to get our game over early so we don't have to sweat about it the whole time. But I do like night games. I really do like night games, especially against LSU. But it is a noon game, and hopefully when Ed Ogeron enters the stadium, he'll tell a Florida player to take off his sissy blue shirt. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see if he even gets there. I'll, I'll give you a story real quick, and we'll get out of here. But the uh, I took some – when I was coaching ball, I had a couple kids that were – being recruited as a preferred walk-on to LSU. And uh, we were at the Arkansas-LSU game with uh, Les Miles, the one that went like seven overtimes with Darren McFadden. And after the game, when Arkansas wins, the entire student section just starts chanting to Les Miles, please go to Michigan, please go to Michigan. And it was the coolest thing, but also the most embarrassing thing because the entire stadium was just shouting at the guy. So – 
Ed O loses, the entire crowd may be shining, chanting to fire. That's right. Let, let's so, hope that we are responsible for getting Ed Ogeron fired. That would be fantastic. And yeah. at the same time, if we do throw a shoe this game, let's hope that we're up by like 30 points before we throw a shoe. Let's not throw a shoe. Sorry. Let's not throw a shoe. Let's wait till the end of the game to start throwing shoes. How about that? All right, folks, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. If you can follow me on Twitter, if you want to, my ad is at SoderquistGC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at AndrewSpiveyGC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.